0: A few years ago my wife heather and i used some pandemic energy to build a terraced backyard escape with some room to dine outdoors and and grow a beautiful garden Um, heather's the master planner and helps engineer and i'm more the muscle and and craftsman but before we had called it a terraced backyard escape it was affectionately called the great dirt move you know dig the trench with shovels Packet full of rocks and gravel for a foundation, and then get ready to move that first pile of dirt that you just moved somewhere else as the next stage begins. You know, really lovely, gritty work. You know, and and, and very dirty. I mean, you know, I, once I borrowed a truck, thanks, neighbor Drew, um, to bring in horse manure from a neighbor's farm. Uh, farm, and uh, you know, the trucks clean up pretty well. But then there was this neighborhood Facebook post, and it said free. You know, we're like, wow, what is this? You know, and just down the street was a free pile of composted soil free for the taking, nice. Um, It was left over after someone else's yard project. And so we're thinking, well, that'll go nicely in our garden, but um, alas, no truck on such short notice. So I took the seats out of my big van and threw down a tarp and grabbed a shovel and (laughs) headed down the street. And it worked like a charm and smelled, oh yes smelled for days and days. Well, for a really long time. Um, Now the van just smells like soccer and football gear, so at least that's over. But along, catch me, along with the smell of decay comes the promise of new life. Think about your gardens there. And, And let me say that again, along with the smell of decay comes the promise of new life flowers growing up everywhere. I I wanna get a little gritty with you and talk about the muck, the dirt, yay, the manure, that we've all been trotting through in these last years of upheaval and difficulty, trials, death, sickness. I wanna think about what could spring up from that base layer of decay if you, yes, you, give your allegiance to Jesus, and have life that is truly life. That's what I want to talk to you about. In fact, I want to show you two garden caves uh, where sacrifices were placed, but they're different caves. And and they bring out a story of two completely opposite trajectories for your life. (laughs) One trajectory says, hey, live it up now, for tomorrow we die. And after that, what happens? It's all over. No big deal. The Jesus trajectory says, deny yourself now and live life that is truly life and lasts forever. Okay, so if you could do a little bit of time travel with me. We could place ourselves in the hearts of the people who were excited that Jesus was bringing Yahweh, the creator God's reign, his rule, his kingdom. It was beginning here on earth but then at, at friday at midday our hopes and expectations and dreams and aspirations were again sitting in that pile of manure it had all come to nothing on that cross we had thought he was the one you know maybe maybe if we're there we're thinking i knew that this time it was different not like those other people who were killed by Rome for, for trying to bring God's kingdom. Hmm. But Jesus gave up his own life and was placed in that garden cave in a borrowed tomb. You know, Jesus had said in John chapter 12, verse 24 Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, It bears much fruit. Much fruit. A great harvest from one seed. Yeah. It's not another sad story of a great light snuffed out. It's not the end of a good run. Jesus had preached the kingdom of God, that God was becoming king again, and on Friday it looked like it wasn't happening at all. But... But this morning, that morning, this morning, it was proven true. It actually is the dawning of God's new age out of that garden cave. In this garden cave, the gates of heaven swing wide to launch new creation. (laughs) That's the trajectory on offer, new creation. The seed buried in the ground on Good Friday was transformed and broke out into the glorious daylight of Resurrection Sunday. And his life means your life if in his death you find your death. (laughs) Whoa, that just got weird. Right? Is that what you're saying? You know, you're just here for the celebration part of Easter Sunday, right? You know, I just ate a, a solid chocolate bunny and I was feeling pretty good till you said that bit about my death. Well, yeah, that's the other trajectory. Deny yourself now. Die to self and live life that is truly life. Please explain, you say. Well, thanks thanks for asking. To explain, let's go to another garden cave okay? This one's creepier. The one with the other trajectory. The one that says, live it up today, and tomorrow we die, and at the end it's all over anyway. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 28. Jesus took his disciples to the gates of hell. Did I, did I just say gates of hell? Yeah. To have a conversation with them about what he must do and What must happen to him? This garden cave is today called the Grotto of Pan, Pan's Grotto. And it was the location of all sorts of worship to gods, including Caesar Augustus. And they believed that this was the threshold of Hades, the underworld, the abode of the dead. And in this region, in this area, in this temple complex you lived it up you lived it up in life but now you're locked away in this garden cave this this garden cave where the gates of hades hold fast the dead and the dying all sorts of sexual expression and exploitation went along with this worship which was fueled by intoxicants, and they were encouraged to live it up now, for tomorrow we may be in there. The priests literally took their sacrifices into what they felt um, was the bottomless pit. They threw them in, into this garden cave, in hopes that these sacrifices would be accepted. So Jesus takes his disciples to this region, And maybe to this very location, or at least maybe within sight, to make this announcement. Allow me to read. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, or others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And I give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord! This shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your minds on the things of God, but on the things of man. Then he told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, and this includes you, right? He told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, And then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. We die with Christ. If our death is identified with his death, then our life is his life, resurrection life. If you've been crucified with Christ, you have a new self, a new inner reality, because the Spirit comes to indwell us, new beginnings, new life. But Jesus knew he had to die to accomplish the mission of Good Friday, to take on the sin of the whole world and defeat the supernatural dark powers at their own game. The dark powers use... Violence to exterminate the good, the weak, the frail. We've seen this all throughout human history, especially in the last century. Maybe even in this century now, too. They exterminate the good, the weak, the frail, and elevate the wicked, the greedy, and the treacherous. These dark powers. Jesus chose humility and obedience to the Father. And he let them expend their whole arsenal on him, on that cross. And on that cross, church, on that cross where Jesus died, God's love for the world and his wrath against sin were both fully satisfied. He gave himself to be slain and then laying in that garden cave. And on resurrection morning, we know that that sacrifice was acceptable. That other garden cave. How many of you know that if you are in Christ... Raise your hand if you don't. If you are in Christ, your sins are forgiven. (laughs) Those that proclaim Jesus as Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead are rescued, saved, forgiven, because you're in Christ. Creator God, I want my life so wrapped up in Jesus that I'm found in Jesus. If you're going to find me, you're going to have to find me in Jesus. In his death, burial, resurrection and future honor. I want to know Jesus and be known by him. I believe that his life and death counts for mine, and I want my life to count for him. Is that, is that you today? The Apostle Paul wrote this, he wants to know Christ, he says, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead. You see his life means your life if in his death you find your own death. So if I'm a Christian, if I'm a follower of Jesus, the old inner self is dead and I've been raised to a new life. Yeah, 2 Corinthians 5:14 through 15 the apostle Paul writes this for the love of Christ controls us because we've concluded that this that The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. But maybe you're saying this. um, You know, it's hard to lay down your life when everything's going well. But maybe (laughs) with all that we've been through, you'll find that your life wasn't all that you thought it could be. With uh, self-effort, self-interest, self-improvement, maybe you're actually stuck like so many others, in the muck and the manure, your sin, your selfish, independent nature, and you're wondering if there really is abundant life, much fruit, hope, and life. Maybe you're realizing that that your sinful nature is in opposition to God, that you're you're an enemy of God, and you're wondering how to have that resolved. Well, come to Jesus. Maybe you're too busy to be all wrapped up in Jesus, to be found in Jesus. And so many people were were like this. Jesus encountered so many who were too busy to follow him. They were too involved in gaining wealth, and then the additional stressful task of protecting their wealth. But he who attempts to save his life, says Jesus, will lose it. We've seen two garden caves and the trajectories they offer. Satan loves, live it up now in exchange for eternal death. The penalty of our sin. But Jesus offers, deny yourself now and receive eternal life. Life that starts now and extends forever. But I just want to take a moment for us to talk about how we got here. What's the actual story? And would you would you give me just a few more minutes of your attention? I want to ask, when are we in history? I like time travel books and movies. You know, when time gets bent back on itself and someone lands in the same place in a new time, one of the cheeky questions they ask is, when are we? Right? I like that. They need to know the timeline. They need to know how to act. They need to know what's at stake. Do you want to know when we are? We are in Act 4, awaiting Act 5, when God does for the world fully and finally, what God did for Jesus' body in the tomb. We're in Act four, waiting Act five. Well what, Act one. Act one is creation. God creates humanity. He says, "Live with me as king. We re- usurp that role. We run our own direction. We don't want God. And so he divorces the nation, sends them packing around the world. And that's where Act 1 closes. But then Act 2 opens up where the father chooses one person, Abraham, to make a nation, Israel, to, to rescue all the nations. And they cycle through allegiance and then apostasy and then exile. But the curtain rises again on Act 3. Jesus comes preaching that God is becoming king again and then he lives out this message dies and and Good Friday isn't the end of the story but but it was the the end of the age Act three is over and and the curtain drops along with the bar and the ropes and the weights with with a thud and a crash and the stagehands are trying to figure out what just broke Act three Is over, but as the curtain rises on Act Four, Resurrection Morning, Jesus rises as well. Later, he ascends to the throne and sends the Spirit who indwells his people as new creation communities. These new creation communities are no mirage; they're the actual oases in the desert, and the kingdom rollout starts through allegiance to King Jesus and brings the world a taste of new creation. The new creation that's going to fully and finally come in Act 5, which, which is heaven on earth, right? New creation. God dwells with us. Sin is no more. Evil is gone. Death is vanquished. So when are we? We're in Act 4, awaiting Act 5. But, but also not just sitting around waiting, living into the reality of Act 5. But that's the truest thing. When, when God does for the world what he did for Jesus' body in the tomb. Because in, in Act 4, Jesus' body is transformed. It's transphysical. He walks through walls and eats food. He has scars to show, but sometimes he's unrecognizable. He appears to hundreds of people and encourages them. He is the first seed out of the soil in anticipation Of a full harvest." That's right, he's he's like the first apple from the orchard that shows it's gonna be a good crop. He's the first fruit of all creation. Let me have the Apostle Paul tell it to you. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. See, he points back to the biblical story, Act 1, 2, and 3. That he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is in me. Whether then it was I or they, so so we preach, and so you believed." Then he faces a contradiction that, that's going on in the Corinthian church. He says, now if if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. And we are found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he didn't raise if it's true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead aren't raised, not even Christ has been raised. And catch this, and if Christ has not been raised... Your faith is futile. And you're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. They've died after all. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, this, that one garden cave, you know, where you just live now and then tomorrow we die. If, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we're of all people most to be pitied. But, in fact... Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, that's what we've been talking about, so also in Christ all shall be made live. But each in his own order, Christ, the firstfruits, And then it is coming much fruit, those who belong to Christ. And then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, after destroying every rule and authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. That seed buried in the ground on Good Friday... The sacrifice laying in the garden cave and the new life that came up is still coming up as the kingdom rolls out. As you and I declare today and every day that He is risen from the dead and He is Lord. Proclaim that our old self was crucified with Him. Our sins are forgiven. The new inner life that, in, that comes in Act 4, we live out together as the family of God. We become the garden space of God, putting the goodness of God on display, offering forgiveness of sins, to give people a taste of the kingdom which has begun and for which we long to come fully and finally. Because then death will be destroyed and the muck and the mire and the manure will be put to use. We look forward to that day when Jesus Christ returns in order that we may live with him on a renewed planet Earth where all the soil, filled as it is with manure and decay that makes little sense now, will bring forth the new creation, God and his family united once again. He is risen. He is risen indeed.